The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. Hope you guys are doing well. We have a great show today. I am excited for this one. We are going to talk about overreaction versus proper reaction for the Green Bay Packers, breaking down all of the spicy takes about Aaron Rodgers, the team, anything else that comes across the wire here. We have a bunch of them. I'm going to go through all of them, break them all down, have a lot of fun with that. Then we're going to talk about Eli Manning and Peyton Manning's Monday Night Football broadcast. They will be doing Packers and Lions next week, and I am very excited for it. Lastly, we will talk about Corbin Burns perhaps getting screwed on the innings pitched, and if that happens, I will lose my fucking mind. So hopefully that doesn't happen because I don't want to go mindless before a Brewers postseason run, the Bucks get their ring, the Packers get hot. I don't want to lose my mind before any of that. But let's dive into Overreaction Monday and break it all down. So as expected, everybody had a take about the Green Bay Packers today. You couldn't have a radio show, a podcast, um, you can't be a content producer if you didn't have some sort of grandiose take about Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Um, You saw it with every big show, whether it was The Herd, whether it was Undisputed, whether it was First Take, whether it was First Things First, all of those places had the Packers as an A block. Bill Simmons, Ryan Rossillo, they were all there. And there were guests that also featured the quote-unquote Aaron Rodgers whispers. Trent Dilfer with Rossillo. Then you had Carson Palmer show up on Dan Patrick and Colin Coward show. That wasn't a mistake, by the way. Okay, just real quick. David Dunn was Carson Palmer's agent. David Dunn orchestrated the holdout for Carson Palmer. David Dunn's also Aaron Rodgers' agent. Carson Palmer was served as PR for Aaron Rodgers. If you watch back what Carson Palmer said in both the Dan Patrick and the Colin Coward interviews, very similar, he's basically kind of defending Aaron Rodgers. That is not by accident. That is a ploy by David Dunn, who I don't know if he's on the list for Nolan Murphy. Nolan Murphy has a list of people that have wronged the Packers this summer, which we have to like have a podcast to break down the list. If people can go off the list, where they stand. Like David Dunn has to be on the fucking list. If he isn't, I'm going to recommend it. I'm going to see if he's aligned. Hopefully he will be. All right. But let's talk about the overreactions and the reactions that happened. Some of them I actually think are good takes and we'll get into that. But there are a lot of overreactions that we have to get to as well. Number one on my list of overreaction versus proper reaction. Aaron Rodgers is tanking his own team. That is the biggest fucking overreaction of them all. I apologize for the language. I know some of you don't like all the F words, but seriously, folks, give me a break. That is absolutely 100% absurd. You can clip this. You can play this back in three weeks because the Packers are still struggling. That is not what's happening. And it kind of shows you a few things. Number one, there are a lot of giddy Bears and Lions fans who have nothing to fucking hold on to. They have nothing to crutch to. So what they take more pleasure in than their own teams winning is the Green Bay Packers 
having some strife, having some conflict. All the Vikings, Bears, Pat, Lions fans, they've been pigs in shit because they've enjoyed the Packers struggling. So then we were like, all right, let's draft up this conspiracy theory. Ben Solak of the Ringer was the first to say it. Now he's an Eagles fan, but still he had fun with it. And then the internet kind of ran with it. And it wasn't just, all right, you know, one or two people. Like Stephen A. Smith kind of said something similar. Like, and I know Stephen A. is an NBA guy, and that's something that you've seen NBA players do in the past. But it's just a absurd commentary. And I know Pat McAfee will ask Rogers about it today. It will. I guarantee you, it will be a question that Pat McAfee brings up, and Aaron Rodgers will laugh it off, or he'll call it bullshit. I hope he does. And that there will be a little bit more of a fury to Rodgers about that. Because I think if you believe that, you have a hole in your head. Because Aaron Rodgers has way too much respect for guys like Matt LaFleur, Devonta Adams, Zadarius Smith, Adrian Amos, David Bakhtiari, Randall Cobb, um, Aaron Jones. I mean, there are guys that Aaron Rodgers, he would not do that to those guys. He might hate Brian Gunacusa's guts. He might not like Mark Murphy, but that's not he's not gonna defy the guys that he goes to battle with every every game. So that one is an absolute overreaction. Terrible. Aaron Rodgers didn't care about the result. So that is a proper reaction for now. Now you're like, Charlie, you just said he didn't tank the game. I I agree with that. Like, I, I don't think he's tanking the season to make the Packers look bad. But the lack of fire from Aaron Rodgers was concerning. Colin Coward is one of the guys who always seems to ruffle Packer fans' feathers. He's ruffled my feathers far too many times to count. I'm sure you could find a host of things that I've written about Colin Coward pissing me off some, with something related to Aaron Rodgers or the Green Bay Packers. But Colin Coward had a really good take today. Yeah, maybe it's end of days, whatever. But Colin Coward basically broke down Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers and talked about how they both had issues at the start of the season and Russell Wilson understood that the Seahawks didn't have a ton of money. They made a couple slight adjustments. Wilson was happy and his agent told Coward that he turned to one of the greatest off seasons that he's ever had. And then Aaron Rodgers is still complaining about it up to the start of the game. And it's still sticking with him. And Trent Dilfer kind of said something similar, right? And we'll, we'll talk about that a little. I want to keep the Dilfer take um, stored away because that, that's coming up here. I, I think that Aaron Rodgers didn't necessarily look like a guy who cared that much throughout the game. Like, the fire just was not there. I watched, I flipped over to Chiefs-Browns, and Patrick Mahomes is just going fucking crazy as the Chiefs are coming back. You had Justin Herbert and the, the Chargers locker room just erupt as they're handing out game balls, right? Justin Herbert, pretty quiet, cerebral guy, but still he's a part of this team that's enjoying their first win. And everybody seemed fired up except for the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers just looked like a team who didn't want to be there. And maybe it was the heat. Maybe it was we were getting our asses kicked from the start. And we just want to focus on next week and just move on. And this game is a complete wash. 
But I think that sometimes the lack of passion that Aaron Rodgers shows is a big deal for fans and it's a big deal for media pundits. And that's just not who Aaron Rodgers is, right? That's never been the type of guy that Aaron Rodgers has been in his career. He'll show some passion, he'll be fired up and, you know, a fist pump here, a fist pump there. But when they're losing, it's not this. I don't know. It's hard to describe, but it, it does rub people the wrong way. But I, I think this has always been who Aaron Rodgers is. But because of what happened this offseason, it looks so much worse. And that's a constant theme of this, right? Like another thing was Aaron Rodgers played a bad game because he wasn't dialed in this offseason. 100% a proper reaction. You saw that from Nick Wright. Uh, Rosillo had that. Dilfer had that. Um, I think... I wouldn't say Stephen A. had that. But to me, that is a proper reaction, and that is a correlation to not caring. Aaron Rodgers might actually care, not necessarily show it, but because he wasn't dialed in this offseason, had so much offseason turmoil, fans are going to look at Rodgers kind of smirking on the sidelines, even if he's laughing through the pain, which we've all done, right? We've all had our experiences where shit's not going right, and we just fucking are starting to laugh about it because we're like, fuck, like this, <laughs> like what more can we do, right? Like that type of shit. But I don't, we don't have cameras on us. Aaron Rodgers has cameras on us. He has to at least look a little bit sullen and he didn't. And that to me, I think is driving some of the ire where people are just out on Rodgers. But back to the lack of preparation, Aaron Rodgers was not ready to go in this game. And it was had nothing to do with preseason. I'll, I'll walk back a little bit of my preseason takes yesterday, which you can listen to if you haven't. But I will say that, yeah, Aaron Rodgers just thinking that he can come off the bus and everything's going to be okay because he's played with all these guys is absolutely absurd. And I don't know if the Packers have enough time to put it all together. It might take four or five weeks for the Packers to really look like the team from last year. It's going to be a tough sort of transition. I don't expect the Green Bay Packers to really have it all figured out until week five or week six. I mean, it'd be very Bears-Packers of the last few years for the Packers to suddenly figure it out against the Bears and beat them like 41 to 10 and start sort of the comeback and sort of the push towards the playoffs and the division. Because I could really see some struggling. I just don't know how you immediately turn it back on. Yeah, you had a bad game in this one. But now is everything going to start coming together because it's week to week and every and the timing is just all of a sudden going to click? I don't know, man. That's something I think we'll really have to keep an eye out on, on Monday next week when the Packers and Lions play is does that sort of connection, does that crispness come back? If it comes back, I think then all is good and we'll wait for San Francisco. If it doesn't, then you're like, all right, we might be in the long haul for a really rough start. And hopefully the Packers can turn it around as the year goes on. Because that's, to me, what what would happen. Also, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, this is the oh no, second to last Aaron Rodgers overreaction. Aaron Rodgers is still talking about retirement. And what happened off this offseason, and it's poisoning the well. That was a Trent Dilfer take, who knows Rodgers pretty well. They're buddies. 
that's a proper reaction right there. I I don't think Rogers should be still talking about this stuff. Like sitting down with Aaron Andrews, Aaron Andrews did her job. Like that's I'm not blaming Aaron Andrews at all. But why the fuck are you still talking about this, dude? We have a regular season starting. Why did you decide to do a decide to do an interview with Aaron Andrews? B decide to talk about the off season. It's over. If you're still hung up on it, then don't fucking play. And I know it's like, hey, Charlie, be careful what you wish for. But if this is really how you feel, like, why are you out here? All right? So I I don't get it. At some point, Aaron Rodgers just needs to say, you know what? Life is bullshit right now and move on. My dad told me that when I was in high school. I forget what happened. I don't know the context. But he said to me, you know what? Sometimes life is just bullshit and you move on. I think I had that quote when you remember you used to do quotes in your Facebook. I had that quote in my Facebook. And it, it I've always thought about it. It always holds true that life just sometimes does not give you the cards you want. And Aaron Rodgers has to accept that these are his cards. And if he doesn't want these cards and wants to turn his back on his teammates, on the fans, everybody else, which he certainly could do, Go ahead. Do it. If this is how engaged you're going to be, well, all right, fuck it. Whatever. It doesn't matter to you, apparently. I don't know. Just saying. Then the whole tanking, yeah. Then then all of a sudden, everything changes. But I just need Aaron Rodgers to care about winning, and that's it. And say, I'm done talking about the offseason. Nothing would make me happier, okay? Nothing would make me happier than him to basically tell Pat McAfee to shut up. If Pat, his number one PR agent, really, in in sports media, says to him, like, hey, Aaron, like, your interview with Aaron Andrews, like, you talked about maybe retiring. How close were you? I'd hope he just says, Pat, I'm not, I'm done talking about the offseason. We are talking about Detroit. We're talking about New Orleans. I love you guys. But we're done talking about the offseason. We can talk about that at another time. If he does that, I don't think he will. But if he does that, then I'm like, all right, we're back. But if he doesn't and he keeps talking, it's going to just, it's thousand paper cuts, man. People are going to see that. It's going to rub guys the wrong way. And Aaron Rodgers is like, well, my buddies understand me. Yeah, but not everybody's your buddy. He's in that far stage of his career where he's one of the oldest guys in the locker room. He has a few friends, but he doesn't have like the entire locker room coming over for a barbecue, all right? And if he did come over for a barbecue, it's probably like jackfruit from Shailene because you know that you know she's she's rocking vegan, right? Lastly, the last dance also started slow for the Bulls. I, I just this isn't really even an overreaction. It's just a bad take. Like, stop comparing the last dance Bulls to the to Packers, please. Like. It's totally different. I get the Packers wanted to do the whole last dance thing and they thought it was funny, but it's it's not really apples to apples. It's more like apples to plums, if you will. Um, just football and basketball are always going to be different. But yes, they did start off slow. They went four and four. The Packers or uh, the Saints also lost thirty-eight to three to to the Tampa. Sorry, let's redo that. And yes, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers also lost 38-3 to 
to the New Orleans Saints. So there's a chance for the Packers as well. We all know this stuff. I'm, I this is that to me is like silly season stuff. So let's transition out of Rodgers and go into the Packers themselves and the NFC North. Brian Gunacus didn't do enough to fix this defense. Proper reaction for now. Healthy Z unleashing Rashawn Gary a little bit more to be a pass rusher. Jean St. Charles, Jack Heflin, Eric Stokes. I know those are all rookies, but they could have impactful moments on this team. I don't think Green Bay has their defense entirely figured out right now. I didn't understand why Tyler Lancaster got a 53-man roster spot. I didn't really understand why Gene Charles was on the bench as an inactive. I didn't get Vernon Scott either, honestly. Like, the Packers do have some talented young guys, and some of them were on the inactive roster on Sunday. And I do think Eric Stokes needs to be the full-time starter for Kevin King. I think that's a move you have to make next week. We talked about that yesterday. You can go back and listen. But it, it's the defense doesn't look great. I will, I will contend with that. It was not a good start for Joe Barry. It was probably, for him, other than Aaron Rodgers, the biggest nightmare start than anyone else. And there's a lot of time to fix it, but the Packers just can't keep doing the same fucking shit. They just can't. They can't keep just rolling out a defense where you're going to get dinked and dunked down the field. A lot of teams are going to take advantage of that. The Packers have to get more aggressive next week against Detroit. That is an absolute must. The NFC North may only have seven wins for the division winner. That is an overreaction, all right? The NFC North might not be that good. We're all 0-1, okay? We're, we're, it's not the best division in football by any shape of the imagination. But I still think you're going to get a 9- or 10-win team out of this division. There, There's no way that it's a sub-500 team. I don't see the NFC North being as bad as they were in week one. I think if you had to rank the teams, I, I would put the Packers last. I would, even as a homer. I'd honestly say the Lions probably played the best out of the four NFC North teams because they got the doors blown off them. They could have easily laid down. They could have easily just gave San Francisco that game. And what did the Lions do? They came roaring back, pun intended, and they nearly won the football game. So the Lions, to me, are the number one. The number two... I'd probably say the Chicago Bears, as weird as it sounds. I thought the Bears did some nice things with Dalton. It was way too conservative for my liking. The defense might be shaky, but also the Rams might be one of the best offenses in football. So who knows, right? But I, I, they weren't as incompetent as I expected them to be. And I'm saying this after a 20-point loss. Then I would probably put the Vikings. The Vikings were so undisciplined. And they really did not play very well at all. Um, and they did not deserve to even be in overtime in that game. Bengals kind of gave, gave it away a little bit. Yeah, and then the Packers last. We already know that. So that was a quick over, quick first week NFC North feeling power rankings, if you will. But yeah, I think it's at least going to be a nine-win nine win division. I cannot see it being seven wins. Lastly, the Packers should always take the coin toss. Proper reaction. I thought that was a really good point by Andy Herman, I think, yesterday about how the Packers always seem like they're running with their heads on fire if they're down like by at least a field goal after the team took it down on the first drive. 
Why defer? If you're going to act that way and you're kind of going to get twitchy about it, why not just get the ball first and establish yourselves and say, all right, this is our team. This is what we're going to do. We're going to give you a combination of Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones. Hope you're ready for it. Like that to me is more productive than the second half coin toss. I love the double up. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, it's the Packers just seem like a better team when they're playing ahead. And when it's behind, it gets really ugly for them. So that is the first week of rating the overreactions. Um, I don't know if I'll do it every week. When it, if it gets out of hand for something, we'll we'll be back. But right now, we're just it's just a week one segment. Moving on to Monday Night Football, which was as drunk of a game as I think you'll ever see. Um, it was an absolute clusterfuck of a football game. The Raiders coming up up on top in overtime. I feel bad for my guys who had the under. I feel bad for... I don't know if I feel bad for those who had Ravens minus four or Ravens minus three and a half. First of all, I don't know how you bet the Ravens on the road with all their injuries. I know they were leading for a good chunk of this game still. I didn't like it. I took the Raiders. I'm very fortunate that the interception did not come back to bite us. But anyways... The story of the game is not about it will well it will be about how drunk that thing was, but also it will be about the Manning brothers. Eli Manning and Peyton Manning did the alternate broadcast on ESPN two. And they were absolutely phenomenal. It was an awesome watch to just hang out with Eli and Peyton watching the game. But now the question becomes is do you watch that for Packers Lions or do you actually watch the broadcast? There's an argument that I think can be made for both. I think for the Manning broadcast, they could talk about things that Aaron Rodgers does that are unlike what we see from a normal broadcast. And it probably would be fascinating to hear that. I would be interested to hear their opinions on Aaron Rodgers. I'd be interested to hear about the off-season stuff with Aaron Rodgers. Unfortunately, it would probably mean we have to see a clip of Eli going into Lambeau in 2007 and winning. I think that would that would probably be the one drawback, the one reason why I might be out on the whole thing. I can't I can't deal with that. I don't want to relive that game. That was one of my least favorite favorite Packer games. But they are so good, and it, it's weird because they're not narrating every play. They're not sometimes even reacting to like a first down. They might say it, like, oh, so and so got first down. But it's just so casual and it's so like laid back. And then they bring in different guests who are pretty good. I, I Travis Kelsey to me was a weird fit uh, with the Manning brothers. It's like, oh, cool. We got the jock and the nerds just hanging out. Not that Eli Manning or Peyton are nerds, but Travis Kelsey has such a jock look to him. Now, Russell Wilson with the two Manning brothers was fucking awesome. That was great. I'm not really even a huge Russell Wilson fan. I think too much positivity, the nano bubbles, the just sometimes the over the topness of that Russell Wilson brings. Now, granted, I know I just complimented Russell Wilson and how he handled things compared to Rodgers. That's very true. And maybe if I the personality of Russ would actually benefit Aaron Rodgers, I still really enjoyed the three of them. And I think Russell Wilson also might have a career after football's over in this thing because he he was really sharp he wasn't over the top about anything it was an enjoyable finish to the game like i 
never thought about switching over. And now the question is, what do you do about the Packers game? Well, I have a wife who loves Peyton Manning. So I would imagine she is going to want to watch Peyton Manning, the side cast, and everything like that. I personally think that I'm okay with watching it. I don't know. I, I, I guess I don't know until I actually watch it. Like, I'll have to report back. Well, I'm sure it'll make a star ratings appearance. But I'm not going to know how I feel about Peyton Manning and Eli Manning for the Packer games until I actually watch. Because if I watch and I'm like, ah, this is kind of annoying. This is like, I don't know what's going on. I have to pay more attention. I missed this touchdown play or something like that. Like, that to me, I think, might annoy me. But at the same time, I really do not like Steve Levy, Lewis Reddick, Brian Gracie. I remember watching the Monday night game against Atlanta last year, and those guys just sucked the wind out of everything. Now, granted, there were no fans, so maybe that played a part as well, but it was terrible. And I, I'd imagine they've gotten a little bit better. I think broadcast teams grow and mature, and they they kind of hit their peak at some point. I don't know when. You'd have to ask Joe Buck that. But I'm still like, Steve Levy's an anchor. He's not a Monday Night Football guy. Mitch and I talked about the last this last week. He does not fit the mold of a Monday Night Football play-by-play guy. And I personally feel like that's enough to put me in the Manning side. At least for the first half. Maybe the second half you go... You go back to the, the regular broadcast if it's close because you just want to make sure you're dialed in and you have everything. But who knows? But yeah, it's it's a gold mine for the Manning brothers. The rating is going to be massive. It's going to be funnier when it's higher than the actual game itself. And I think ESPN has already reached out to both of them and said, all right, you're doing 10 games. Can we get two more out of you? Can we squeeze two more? What do you think? Because I guarantee you ESPN is going to keep wanting more versus less after the ratings come out. But yeah, I'm fired up to at least hear what Peyton Manning and Eli both have to say about Aaron Rodgers and any of their guests they bring by. Lastly, let's talk about Corbin Burns and the Cy Young. So we did mention a little bit how Corbin Burns has filled up the stat sheet. He looks like the Cy Young quote-unquote frontrunner. And Ken Rosenthal said, not so fast, my friends. Ken Rosenthal developed a case that because Corbin Burns has not pitched as many innings as the Walker Buehlers, Max Scherzers of the world, even um, Zach Wheeler, but Zach Wheeler is not necessarily really in the race anymore, people are discrediting Burns for that. They're saying that Burns should pitch more innings if he wants to be the Cy Young. I have a couple questions on that for Ken Rosenthal. And Rosenthal says this is the reason why he's thinking about voting for Harper instead of Tatis Jr. Because Harper has played more games. Now Harper's analytical numbers look pretty good. I also think it's really tough to give a guy MVP when their doors have been getting blown off for the last 20 games. I know I got some Padre followers. But 8-20, I think they're going to look at 8 and 15 in their last 21 if they lose to San Francisco tonight. I don't know my phone on me. They were down early. You Darvish got rocked. So I don't know how you can give it to Tatis. So with Burns, it's like, oh, the Tatis 111 games is used for Burns because they're like, he didn't pitch enough to really earn this Cy Young. And since when is 
pitches thrown a fucking thing and innings pitch. That's better than pitches thrown. Pitches thrown, that's how you get to say young. Innings pitch, like, how is that something that is a line of demarcation where you're like, all right, hey, he didn't get to that innings pitch threshold. We're going to have to dock him. We're not going to make him Cy Young. It's so fucking baseball. What's to say the innings that a Bueller or Scherzer went out in the seventh or the eighth or even the ninth weren't quality innings from those guys? This attitude that if Corbin Burns needs to pitch seven innings every night to get considered for the uh, the Cy Young is ridiculous. It's absolutely absurd. Do you want this guy to just blow out his elbow? Like that to me is what we are champion. Like Ken Rosenthal, while an amazing reporter, he does such a good job. He's kind of promoting like, hey, just drain your pitchers. And if you do that, we can consider them for Cy Young. But if you don't, we're going to have second thoughts. Every metric supports Burns to win the Cy Young. Innings pitch is the only one that he could be dinged on. But again, that feels very antiquated. That feels the, the word of the day. Like It feels very two or three years ago or even 10 years ago. It feels like the discussion around Burns and innings pitch is really similar to the win-loss stuff with CeCe Sabathia and Felix Hernandez. One of the greatest debates, there's a little Chuck's Corner here, one of the greatest debates one in my life was arguing with my roommates at the time, Eric and Brett, about Felix Hernandez versus CeCe Sabathia for Cy Young. I was 22 at the time. I explaining to these guys what war means and why Felix Hernandez is more valuable to his team than CeCe Sabathia even though he has a 500 record and they're outraged like how can you give it to a guy with 500 500 records he's sabathia has 20 wins all this other shit and then hernandez wins it and he it's a huge moment in the baseball analytic history i remember that well and then all of a sudden from there it was like we're leveraging the analytics that are in front of us so if all the analytics say that Corbin Burns is the best pitcher in the National League, then listen to the fucking analytics. And yeah, if he pitches an extra inning or two innings, what might that do to everything? I don't know. It's so hard to predict. And maybe that's Rosenthal's point. Rosenthal's point is, look, Burns goes out there for the sixth and the seventh. He might get rocked and we might not even have this conversation. But that's not how Craig Council manages. And Craig Council is a guy who once you get to the sixth, it's time to bring the other guys on. And I can't stress enough the health of Corbin Burns as well. The Brewers do a really good job of protecting their guys, just like they've done with Freddie Peralta, what they've done with him. Adrian Hauser, I feel like, has some of that. They are not going to just roll guys out to win a Cy Young. That's not going to happen. So to expect the Packer or the Brewers to just have a bunch of innings eaters is totally just out of touch with what the Brewers are. And there, there should be a change. If you trust your bullpen, why, why throw your starter out there against the lineup for a third time? It makes no sense to me. So I personally have no problem with the idea of the innings pitched. And if it does come down to that, I am going to raise hell because I think that is just it's so bad. It's so bad to really like use one 
thing, one piece of data and say, that's my MVP, or I'm sorry, my Cy Young. That's my Cy Young because he p- pitched in a bunch of innings. Like, wh- what planet are we on if that's what we're choosing? Like, that to me just feels like a journalist who's just not doing his job. And I'm not saying Ken himself, because I think Rosenthal does a great job and he does good work. But it's more those who would vote on Bueller or Scherzer over Burns, because that to me seems very foolish. All right, that should do it for our show. We'll be back tomorrow. Um, we will not have Mitch. I know I said Mitch Tuesday night. No, we're going to do Wednesday, Thursday with Mitch. Um, I will open us up, kind of previewing Packers, Lions, getting you ready. It's a weird week because we don't. It's a Monday night, so we will have should I bet my team on Monday because there's no Badger game either. So we'll have should I bet my team on Monday. We'll talk about the games that happened in week two. Get you ready with picks for Packers Lions, and then we'll be sailing, man. We'll be we'll be sailing. We'll have a couple show. We'll have a show Friday, tapping the keg Thursday, another daily tap tomorrow. So hope you guys are here with me on all of them. Rate, review, subscribe. I very much appreciate it. I don't say those words. Rate, review, subscribe nearly enough. So please do that. I'd appreciate it. Take care of yourself. Have a great Tuesday. We'll be back tomorrow. Bye.